Section 2 of Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Letters of Jonathan Oldstyle, Gentlemen. By Washington Irving. Letter 2. Sir. There is no place of public amusement of which I am so fond as the theatre. To enjoy this with the greater relish, I go but seldom, and I find there is no play, however poor or ridiculous, from which I cannot derive some entertainment. I was very much taken with a playbill of last week announcing in large capitals the Battle of Hexham, or Days of Old. Here, said I to myself, will be something grand. Days of old. My fancy fired at the words. I pictured to myself all the gallantry of chivalry. Here, thought I, will be a display of court manners and true politeness. The play will no doubt be garnished with tilts and tournaments. And as to those banditti, whose names make such a formidable appearance on the bills, they will be hung up every mother's son, for the edification of the gallery. With such impressions I took my seat in the pit, and was so impatient that I could hardly attend to the music, though I found it very good. The curtain rose. Out walked the queen with great majesty. She answered my ideas. She was dressed well, she looked well, and she acted well. The queen was followed by a pretty gentleman, who, from his winking and grinning, I took to be the court fool. I soon found out my mistake. He was a courtier, high in trust, and either general, colonel, or something of martial dignity. They talked for some time, though I could not understand the drift of their discourse, so I amused myself with eating peanuts. In one of the scenes I was diverted with the stupidity of a corporal and his men, who sung a dull song, and talked a great deal about nothing, though I found by their laughing there was a great deal of fun in the corporal's remarks. What this scene had to do with the rest of the piece I could not comprehend. I suspect it was a part of some other play, thrust in there by accident. I was then introduced to a cavern, where there were several hard-looking fellows sitting around a table carousing. They told the audience they were banditti. They then sung a gallery song, of which I could understand nothing but two lines. The Welchman liked to have been choked by a mouse, but he pulled him out by the tail. Just as they had ended this elegant song, their banquet was disturbed by the melodious sound of a horn, and in marched a portly gentleman, who I found was their captain. After this worthy gentleman had fumed his hour out, after he had slapped his breast and drawn his sword half a dozen times, the act ended. In the course of the play, I learnt that there had been, or was, or would be, a battle. But how, or when, or where, I could not understand. The banditti once more made their appearance and frightened the wife of the portly gentleman who was dressed in man's clothes and was seeking her husband. I could not enough admire the dignity of her deportment, the sweetness of her countenance, and the unaffected gracefulness of her action, 
but who the captain really was or why he ran away from his spouse i could not understand however they seemed very glad to find one another again and so at last the play ended by the falling of the curtain i wish the manager would use a drop scene at the close of the acts we might then always ascertain the termination of the piece by the green curtain on this occasion i was indebted to the polite bows of the actors for this pleasing information i cannot say that i was entirely satisfied with the play but i promised myself ample entertainment in the afterpiece which was called the tripolitan prize now thought i we shall have some sport for our money we will no doubt see a few of those tripolitan scoundrels spitted like turkeys for our amusement well sir the curtain rose the trees waved in front of the stage and the sea rolled in the rear all things looked very pleasant and smiling presently i heard a bustling behind the scenes here thought i comes a band of fierce tripolitans with whiskers as long as my arm no such thing they were only a party of village masters and misses taking a walk for exercise and very pretty behaved young gentry they were i assure you but it was cruel in the manager to dress them in buckram as it deprived them entirely of the use of their limbs they arranged themselves very orderly on each side of the stage and sung something doubtless very affecting for they all looked pitiful enough by and by came up a most tremendous storm the lightning flashed the thunder roared and the rain fell in torrents however our pretty rustics stood gaping quietly at one another until they must have been wet to the skin i was surprised at their torpidity till i found they were each one afraid to move first for fear of being laughed at for their awkwardness how they got off i do not recollect but i advised the manager in a similar case to furnish everyone with a trap-door through which to make his exit yet this would deprive the audience of much amusement for nothing can be more laughable than to see a body of guards with their spears or courtiers with their long robes get across the stage at our theatre scene passed after scene in vain i strained my eyes to catch a glimpse of a mahometan fizz i once heard a great bellowing behind the scenes and expected to see a strapping mussulman come bouncing in but was miserably disappointed on distinguishing his voice to find out by his swearing that he was only a christian in he came an american navy officer worsted stockings olive velvet small clothes scarlet vest pea-jacket and gold-laced hat dressed quite in character i soon found out by his talk that he was an american prize-master that returning through the mediterranean with his tripolitan prize he was driven by a storm on the coast of england the honest gentleman seemed from his actions to be rather intoxicated which i could account for in no other way than his having drank a great deal of salt water as he swam ashore several following scenes were taken up with hallooing and huzzaing between the captain his crew and the gallery with several amusing tricks of the captain and his son a very funny mischievous little fellow then came the cream of the joke the captain wanted to put to sea and the young fellow who had fallen desperately in love to stay ashore here was a contest between love and honor such piping of eyes such blowing of noses such slapping of pocket-holes but old junk was inflexible 
What? An American tar desert his duty? Three cheers from the gallery. Impossible. American tars forever. True blue will never stain, etc., etc. A continual thundering among the gods. Here was a scene of distress. Here was bathos. The author seemed as much puzzled to know how to dispose of the young tar as old junk was. It would not do to leave an American seaman on foreign ground, nor would it do to separate him from his mistress. Scene the last opened. It seems that another Tripolitan cruiser had bore down on the prize as she lay about a mile off shore. How a Barbary corsair had got in this part of the world, whether she had been driven there by the same storm, or whether she was cruising to pick up a few English first rates, I could not learn. However, here she was. Again we were conducted to the seashore, where we found all the village gentry in their buckram suits, ready assembled to be entertained with the rare show of an American and Tripolitan, engaged yard-arm and yard-arm. The battle was conducted with proper decency and decorum, and the Tripolitan very politely gave in, as it would be indecent to conquer in the face of an American audience. After the engagement, the crew came ashore, joined with the captain and gallery in a few more huzzas, and the curtain fell. How old Junk, his son, and his son's sweetheart settled it, I could not discover. I was somewhat puzzled to understand the meaning and necessity of this engagement between the ships, till an honest old countryman at my elbow said he supposed it was the Battle of Hexham, as he recollected no fighting in the first piece. With this explanation I was perfectly satisfied. My remarks upon the audience I shall postpone to another opportunity. Jonathan Oldstyle End of Letter 2 Recording by James K. White Chula Vista